Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And you are listening in for season five, where we have been starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. We love that format and are planning to continue that with season six, prayerfully launching early next year. But this month, we're doing something a little unique because it's December, friend, as I'm sure you know. And we're featuring different conversations with people whom I would love for you to know more about, people I admire who are living their lives for Jesus and also doing some really special work that I think you should know about. So today's guest says that she loves having deep conversations and providing a place for students to come with their questions and find answers. So her and I, I think, share a similar passion in that. Our guest is a Californian girl. She now works with university and college students because she says it's a pivotal time in their lives to figure out who they are and what they believe. Uh, Definitely agree with that as well. And while she loves cooking, baking, reading, traveling, and a good laugh, she also serves at the University of Utah and Utah Valley University. And I can't wait to hear more about what she's doing there. Thank you for being here, Jane Pantig. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Did I pronounce your last name okay? Yeah, that's great. That's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Great. I also want to give a huge shout out to our mutual friend and previous podcast guest, Zandra Carroll. Zandra recommended you and put us in contact with one another. How do you know Zandra? So we used to work together at uh, Rocio Christie. So yeah, and I've been on a few missions with her. So yeah, okay. good time. Good woman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is Rocio Christi? So uh, Rocio Christi is Latin for the reason of Christ. And so we're a campus apologetics evangelism organization and we're all over the United States and even internationally. And so we just want to give students um, answers to their questions that they might be asking about faith. Mm. And um, and also reaching the lost on these university campuses. Wow, that's awesome. So um, I didn't share all of your bio that you sent mm-hmm. over because I didn't want to give away too much. Um, okay. I didn't want to mm-hmm. have a spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, but if you wouldn't mind telling the listener about your own faith journey, did you grow up as a Christian? I actually grew up Roman Catholic. And so uh, I'm Filipino. So a lot of Filipinos are just Catholic, what you grow up with. Um, yeah, I, you know, went through 
catechism, had first communion, and was confirmed in the Catholic Church. But it was more of just something that you did, and you didn't really know why you did it. It was just because your family was. And so it was just very works-based. There was no relationship with Jesus when I was growing up. And so I actually didn't really come to like a, a genuine faith until college where I was like, well, I'm a sinner and I really need Jesus. So I was 21 when I, you know, became a born again Christian. Wow. Yeah. Was there something that, um, you know, stirred that on in your life at the time? Why, why then? Yeah. So it was, there's just a chain of events. My, my dad had went through a crisis and uh, he just didn't have anywhere to turn to. And he like turned to God, started praying, started reading his Bible and just watching him go on a journey and um, finding God. I was like, whoa, who is this person? Like completely transformed by the gospel. And I was away at college. So you know, I'd come and visit home and my dad was checking out churches and I was like, you know, I'm still young and I'll just do this later. I got plenty of time. And finally, um, after a few years of uh, my parents, like kind of on, going on their faith journey, my dad became a believer. My younger brother and my mom had become a believer. And then I became a believer just, you know, seeing their journey and then them inviting me into that journey with them. Um, yeah. And I became a believer because of some hard circumstances in my dad's life. Mm. Did you at the time feel a need for Christ because you said you weren't, it, it sounds like it, it wasn't necessarily relevant to you yeah. in your mind for a while. Yeah, and Typical college student away from home, um, you know, having fun, trying to figure out who you are. Just, you know, that typical college experience, like, you know, there's a statistic that says people leave their faith when they enter college. <laughs> and I didn't really have, I don't think I really genuinely had faith. It was just something I inherited. Um, and so, yeah. Just like I did have some understanding of Christianity, but it wasn't something I would, I didn't have ownership over. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah, I just wanted to have fun in college. And then because I've had so much fun, I, you know, really ruined my life. <laughs> and so that's it. When you come to God, you're like, man, I really made a mess of myself and I need you. <laughs> Do you mind sharing more about that? What, what, made you go, I need God at this point in my life? Yeah. So a lot of my identity growing up was just being a, like a hard worker and doing well in school. And then for the first time in my life, uh, I did not do well in school because I was partying way too hard and, you know, was on academic probation a few times. And I'm just, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like, what if I get kicked out of school? I don't really talk about the academic probation. If my parents are listening to this, they might be like, what? <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, I wasn't studying enough and just partying too much. And, you know, I was just like, this is not who I am. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're just trying to fit in, trying to have fun with your friends. And, you know, a lot of partying involved alcohol. And, yeah, it, it was just a life that led to emptiness. And then I was like, I need something more than this. Mm -hmm. Did you have any struggles taking the Bible at face value? Was it something you're like, oh, everyone else is doing this in my family. I should do yeah. it. Or yeah. was it like, wait a second, what kind of Kool-Aid are they drinking? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in the beginning, like my parents, you know, try to give me a Bible. And of course, a lot of my questions had to do with like sexuality. Just I'm at college, you know, mm -hmm. sexuality and like. 
And my parents never, they were new Christians. So obviously they didn't know apologetics yet. So I was like giving them a hard time when they (laughs) came to faith. Um, But yeah, I had so many questions. I was a science major. So um, when I became a believer, the question of evolution popped up a lot. And as a Christian, you know, I've just heard certain things that people believed as Christians. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to believe in this, but I don't even, I didn't really have the evidence yet. And so kind of put me on this whole journey of like understanding, like, is, is science and faith really incompatible? Cause that's just like what I've heard so much in my classes. And when I became a believer, I was just like, Oh, did that, did I make the right decision? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you made the decision to follow Christ before you had the answers uh, to those questions. Yeah. Right? And then when I became a believer, that's when I was like, I need answers. And the good thing is I had a pastor who loved apologetics and he would uh, play like Hugh Ross for us, Greg Kokel and all these other people. And I was just like, whoa, Christians actually have answers. Hmm. Um, For somebody listening who's not familiar with the term apologetics, although we do talk about it on here quite a bit. Yeah. uh, What is apologetics? And yeah, if you'd explain that more, that'd be great. I would just say it's giving reasons for what you believe. A lot of people like to give, like say it's a giving a defense for what you believe. Um, I just, you know, evidence that supports your beliefs. Um, and that's just how I see apologetics. It's, it helps believers with those hard questions in life. And it's just been really helpful in my journey. I want to go back to you making that decision for Christ because mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. we have a lot of people on here who have questions about faith mm-hmm. and a lot of yeah. times there's these intellectual barriers to coming yeah. to God mm-hmm. initially. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think for you you were able to put those aside to come to faith beforehand? I'm sure you've thought about that before, yeah, or yeah. wrestled with that. Like what was the yeah. difference for you? I think I was just in a mess and I'm just like uh, and hearing the gospel is like well, there's forgiveness for the mess that we've made of ourselves. And, you know, that's how God got a hold of me. And, you know, a lot of people come to faith and it's not be a lot of people don't come to faith just because, you know, they've looked into the evidence. It's usually some kind of crisis in their life. And then the research comes in afterward for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What for somebody listening <laughs> who yeah. is not a Christian, Um, Would you mind sharing the gospel uh, briefly, Jane? Yeah. So um, there's a good creator who created this world and he created um, Adam and Eve and they made a mess mess of things. And so the world fell into sin and we're living in that. But also God is so gracious to give us a way out. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to give us a way out of this mess that we created as human beings and just receiving and believing what uh, Jesus did on the cross for us, his finished work. It's a, it's a free gift. And uh, I live in a place where uh, it's not a free gift. So just uh, really letting people know it's a free gift. It's yours. You just got to trust and believe what Jesus did for you. Mm. Now, what do you mean that you live in a place where it's not a free gift? Talk a little bit more about that. So if anybody knows anything about Utah, um, there's a predominant religion here um, that's very works-based. And um, we, it, the, the umbrella term would be Mormonism, but I think uh, the, uh, the LDS church has kind of removed that name from them. And so now they're called the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. It's a mouthful, <laughs> Latter-day Saints. And so, um, yeah, so 
it's a, a works-based religion here and they have to work uh, to attain their salvation and exaltation. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. How did you go from that girl who was in college who just was like, wait a second, what did I just do? And is this really compatible with, you know, my major to working with uh, a predominantly LDS population? Okay. Well, so (laughs) I've been working with Rosho Christie. This is my 12th school year. And so, um, yeah, I've just been on university campuses in California for a decade. And then uh, I went on a missions trip to Utah with uh, a bunch of people from Rosho Christie and uh, we went with Maven, if you've heard of uh, Maven. Right? Yes, Uncle's I industry. have. So the, yeah, so they Love take them. people uh, on missions trips to Utah. And so they trained us, and I got here, and I landed here, and I was like, wow, this is Utah. It was just gorgeous, the snow-capped mountains. I was like, I did not know this is what Utah looked like. I, You know, every, the only thing I've ever heard about Utah is that's where the Mormons live. And so, you know, we went around um, Utah and, you know, learned about the culture here. We heard from different speakers who have been ministering here. And just the statistics of uh, of Utah is just mind-blowing. There are not a lot of evangelical Christians here. A lot of people, um, like the people that we spoke to said it's about 3% evangelical Christian. So Utah is a very unreached place. Mm. And um, I never thought I'd ever leave California. Um, but when I was here, I kept on noticing a lot of the people who are ministering here were from California. And mm. I was like, oh, there's this uh, ongoing theme of Californians moving to Utah to <laughs> minister <laughs> to the uh, LDS community. And when I was here, people were like, so when are you going to move here? And I was like, wait, what are, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so... Uh, I was just like, wow, I, I think I could actually leave California for the first time in my life. I was like, maybe I could leave California. And mm. it, was, it was never, never something I ever thought of. But that's what the Lord does. He's just like, oh, you thought you were going to do this with your life? He's like, no, I have something else for you. And so that was 2020. And then the, after that trip, I got home and the world was locked down. Mm. And I was like, didn't really think about Utah so much because we were stuck at home. And so for a year... Uh, I was like, okay, well, let's pray about this. And so in 2021, I moved here. Wow. So you were majoring in science Mm -hmm. and you got pulled in this ministry direction. Mm -hmm. Um, How, how was that? Did you ever wrestle with that? Like, Hey, wait a second. This isn't the plan. This isn't the plan. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. So I remember when I first became a Christian, I was like, I could never be a missionary. I was just telling him, I was like, I could never be a missionary. That's just so hard. Like, how do people do that? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Here's Lord's humor. (laughs) You're just (laughs) like, well, you're going to become a missionary. It's not, it's just not like the missions that I thought it was going to be, like moving to a third world country. It's like, you get to do it in America. And you get to do it to college students. So I was like, okay, that's a little bit more doable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How did you get involved with university students and what is that like how in a practical sense does that look for you what what are you doing so how did I get there okay well I never thought I'd be doing this and so I went um, to get a master's degree in Christian apologetics back in 2009 and um, I just knew this is what the Lord was calling me to I just didn't know what I was going to do with this degree at the time I, you know I worked with a youth group. So I was like, okay, well, this would be good for me to build my faith and also to teach young people this in a church setting. 
Um, and then when I graduated, I got these emails from Rashio Christie. They're like, we're looking for people to minister to college students. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun because I'm getting this apologetics degree. And I became a Christian in college and had lots of questions myself. But, you know, it was all volunteer basis and I had student loans to pay. And I was like, ah, I don't think I could do that. And then I just kept on getting emails. And then another one said, hiring apologists. Like, oh, we're going to get paid to do this. <laughs> so I emailed them. And they're like, well, you have to raise money. And I'm like, who raises money? That is weird. I, you know, I, you know, I was still fairly new Christian. I didn't know people raised money to do ministry. And I was like, that sounds way too hard. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here I am doing everything that I'm like, that's too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so ended up doing um, campus ministry at UCI for my first year in Rosho Christi because it was the closest university to where I was living at the time. What's University but, of California, Irvine? Irvine, yes. Oh, good. Yeah. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, I really wanted to go back up north for where I was originally from. So I moved up to Northern California and was in the Bay Area and did San Jose State for five. Then I moved back down to Southern California and ended up doing a whole bunch more schools like UCLA, USC, and we even got a chapter at Biola, which is a Christian university, and um, some community colleges there. And so, you know, just been all over California reaching students. And, you know, each chapter looks a little different based on what kind of students you bring in. A lot of, a couple of the chapters, there was no, there wasn't really any Christian. So it's purely evangelism and starting conversations and getting people to think about uh, faith. Um, which I really enjoyed. I really do love evangelism. Mm -hmm. And then some of the chapters is just really equipping the Christians and, you know, giving them answers. So like when people ask them about their faith, they have something to share. Yeah. How do people respond that are non-Christians to what you're doing when you're out there just talking to them about Jesus? How, how was that? What was that like? Yeah. It's so we, we did a very inviting, um, it was a very inviting environment. So um, in California, when we were at UCLA, we, we just kind of set up in this big grassy area, had blankets and snacks and signs. And just we, we were just like, come ask any question you want. And it was just like, this is just we wanted to meet the students where they were at. You know, at, at the beginning, it's like you got some just very superficial questions of like, oh, how's the weather? And, you know, and then it got mm -hmm. deeper and people really started asking questions about God. And so people loved it. They met people they probably would have never talked to. And I think how it was received, this is, it was, this is uh, one student. He saw some students like, you guys should join. These people are Christians, but they're, they're cool. They're, they're good people to talk to. And I was like, well, that's a compliment because yeah. I was not even a Christian and he was promoting our group. So <laughs> it was just like a, a good environment for people to, to hear what Christians believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what kind of questions were they asking? Uh, just like, uh, what do you believe like about life after death? Um, do you really believe truth exists? You, you really think Jesus is the only way? Um, stuff like that. Um, it was really interesting because like people are asking these questions. We're mm -hmm. just like, we didn't have to get them to ask these questions. They were just doing it on their own and, you know, in a very conversational way. So it was, there was like no pressure. It was just like you going back and forth with person and, just really meeting people where they were at. So I really enjoyed uh, UCLA a lot. Yeah. And now that you're at Utah, are you getting the same uh -huh. kind of questions from students? Or are they different? They're different. Um, you know, this is a very religious state and it's very influenced by the LDS church. So a lot of, uh, so Salt Lake City is very different from um, 
Utah County, which is where um, BYU is. So you get to see a big difference, even though you're in the same state. So uh, Salt Lake City is a little more secularized. You go into to Utah County and it's very Mormon. So in Salt Lake City, you get kind of the same questions that you would get in a major city, very secularized school. Um just like more of the objections towards Christianity. And then you go to uh, UVU and it's predominantly Mormon. There's students struggling with their faith. They're considering leaving it. And so a lot of the conversations there, it's like, what's the difference between mm-hmm. biblical Christianity and what I believe as a LDS person? So we, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the times they're like, yeah, we're Christians too. And we're just like, okay, let's talk about that. What do you yeah. mean you're a Christian? Stuff like that. Yeah. And for someone listening who has a hard time differentiating, mm-hmm. um, would you give a flyby account of uh, some of the talking points you have when you're talking with those students? How do you differentiate between Mormonism and Christianity? Because on first glance, it can look similar. There's, there's a lot oh, yes. of similarities. Yeah. The words are pretty much the same. And that's where... You know, like when you hear um, Jesus, it's a different Jesus. Like the Jesus in um, the the LDS faith is uh, a spirit child of God who is Lucifer's brother. Mm. Big difference from Jesus who we believe is part of the Trinity and created. Yeah. And so people are just like, yeah, that's that's pretty different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the origin story is very different. Uh there's something called the pre-mortal life where there was a pre-existence where there were spirit children and uh, people believe that we are spirit children who took on bodies in the mortal life. And in this mortal life, we get to, you know, uh, do the works to get exalted or to have salvation. And then you have the afterlife, which is very different from us, where there's three levels of heaven and we just have uh, heaven and hell. So there the three levels of heaven the highest level is celestial kingdom that's where you're exalted and become god um and then uh, i always get terrestrial and celestial mixed up so the second level is basically if you lived a pretty decent life and you know you believed in jesus you get to that second level and celestial is like you know even hitler gets to get there so Mm. it yeah so they have the three levels of heaven and they have they have their form of hell, which is outer darkness, but that's like, they'd say not a lot of people go there. It's usually people who deny God when he's like completely like revealed himself to you, like in front of your face. So Mm. it's very hard to deny God if he's like right there. So, um, but for also, I've also heard it's, it's a place where people who've left the, the Mormon faith, they're the ones that go there. Mm. So where do you start with some of that? Because for someone, maybe uh, an LDS student who is struggling mm-hmm. with their faith yeah. and they come mm-hmm. to you and they're talking to you and yeah. they're like, oh, she's a Christian. You believe the yeah. same stuff I do and this yeah. stuff is a bunch of baloney or whatever. Yeah, 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 How yeah. do you reach in there and what, what, what do you usually talk about? Well, I really like to tell them the differences and be like, and then make them realize that, yeah, they actually aren't the same. And then, you know, the gospel is completely different. It's like, this is a free gift of God. And, you know, when we share people that like God loves you because he just loves you and it's not because of what you've done for them, 
it, it really clicks for them. And you see them get teary eyed because they've had to work themselves so hard. You know, they, they go to the temple, they do work and they have to be perfect. And it just gets really hard for them. And what I've learned when you, you meet people who are in the LDS faith is you, you meet two kinds of people, the ones who think they've figured it out and they're doing really well. They're following all the ordinances and just like being a really, really great Mormon and the ones that are realizing they're just never going to make it. It's just too much. Mm. And so, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people come to the realization that they, they're not, they can't, they're not enough. They can't fulfill all these things. Mm -hmm. And so those are the ones that we're really, really wanting to, to reach because the gospel says Jesus has done it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with Micah Wilder um, mm -hmm. on here back in March of this year because uh, my co-host Mariah, uh, mm -hmm. she had converted to the LDS faith and we had some great conversations. In fact, Lindsay Medenwalt was on here too, talking mm -hmm. with her. And um, But he was talking about that grace aspect and how, mm -hmm. it was, you know, he had been a devout uh, at the time, yeah. you know, they were still embracing the the term Mormon, you know, a devout Mormon, uh, zealous about his faith and um, how he was confronted by this Baptist minister that he wanted yeah. to convert with mm -hmm. the true gospel. And it broke him, you know, mm -hmm. and um, but sometimes I think from the outside looking in as somebody who doesn't, you know, have a lot of work with um, students who are Mormon, except for in this case with Mariah, um, it seems messier in some ways than just talking with students who don't believe in God at all. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because mm -hmm. you're having to redefine terms. Exactly. So sometimes I'm like, it's almost double the work because they know all these words and they could be very triggering depending on where they're at in their faith, if they're leaving and they're, they're thinking we're saying the same thing. And we're like, no, no, that's not what I mean by that. And then you have to explain to them what, what we mean by those terms. So it's like, it's like, it's a long conversation <laughs> because you're, you're having to explain to them um, in the, the traditional biblical Christian way, what these terms mean. Hmm. And so, yeah, it, it, yeah, it get it could be really tiring just because you're literally having to teach a bunch of theology in these little conversations with people, and but then at the same time, it's good because it gives you reason to continue the conversation with people. And you know, we're just trying to meet people where they're at, uh, loving them because coming out of the LDS church is very hard for people. It's it's not just a religion; it's a community. It's a way of life. It's something they've grown up all of their lives. And it's something they can't just let go of because mm -hmm. it's just really ingrained in who they are. Mm -hmm. Now for someone listening, who's like, well, what's the point? <laughs> uh, people yeah. can believe whatever they want, which yeah. is a very uh, common, you know, cultural narrative right now, you know, like you do you, I'll do me yeah. and we'll just mm -hmm. see what happens. Um, mm -hmm. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but I'm just curious. Uh, I'm sure you, you, confront some of that when you talk yeah. with students um you know how do you respond to that of like why do you keep going on this Jane like why do you care whether yeah. uh, a LDS student comes to faith or not like what's the big deal <laughs> truth matters our eternal destinies matter and it's just like if you get that wrong you're going to be spending your life somewhere forever mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's either heaven or it's either going to be hell. And 
we only have this one opportunity now to share that with people, with as many people we uh, we can share it with. And so, I mean, people are looking for meaning in life. People, you know, it, it's college is a place where people are like, who am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's just like, when we do the you do you thing, it's just like, in the end, like, what does that bring to you? And that's kind of just like, kind of what I experienced, like, well, let me just have my fun. But it, you know, Ecclesiastes, and then it was vanity. So, um, yeah, we just want to show people what uh, a beautiful, good and true life means. And I believe it comes from Jesus, because he claimed to be the way, the truth and the life. And that's a big claim. And in those conversations, you get to say, is this true or not with people? Mm -hmm. What's the hardest part about what you're doing? Well, you know, you, you have these conversations and you'd never know if they're ever going to come to know Jesus, you know, and, and, you know, on this side of eternity, it's just like, we work so hard to share this faith. And it's just like, what if they never come to know? Cause you've been so invested in these people. And it's just like, but then that's when you have to learn to let go and like, like God's like, it's, it's really up to him. <laughs> and so it's like, take all that pressure off of yourself and just be faithful in your everyday conversations with people and, you know, when we get to heaven, be like, maybe God will be like, there goes that one person you talk to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And what's the best part of what you're doing? Um, just seeing people come to faith. I mean, um, we just had this one student come to faith just last month and to see them alive and really believing in Jesus and sharing it with others. It, I think that's like the best thing as a campus ministers to see people come to faith and really live it out. Mm -hmm. What's the difference that you've seen uh, a student coming to faith? What difference in their life does it make that you've witnessed? You just see this joy. (laughs) Like you could just see that they're lit up like before literally you're coming from death to life Mm -hmm. and them just really enjoying Um, the gift of grace that they have in God and being part of a community that loves God um, and growing together. And I mean, I I know the LDS faith provides that for people, um, but at the same time, theirs doesn't give them true joy. It gives them a burden that wasn't meant to be theirs. It was God gave them a way out of it. And it's just, just seeing people thinking that they have to work so hard and I'm just like, well, then what was the point of Jesus? Hmm. And that's that's just the heartbreaking thing. It's because they think their works is what's going to save them. And it just, what, what Jesus did on the cross for us, it, it's almost meaningless hmm. in, their, in their view. Yeah. Does it feel like you've been given a burden from God for the population that you're you're connecting with yeah, there. I never, yeah, I never thought I'd be here. Uh, I remember when I was in California, um, we, I, I talked to lots of missionaries back in California and there was just so much frustration because of the theology, but you know, over time you mature and you just like realize this person is, um, held captive by the enemy and blinded by the lies. And, so just to really look at the person instead of like the theology, which is you really study up on it. You're just like, whoa, that's what they believe. Um, but just remembering that's a person. And I think um, working in the field of apologetics, a, a lot of people forget that that's a person in front of you and they just want to give them 
answer after answer after answer. But it's like you have to remember this is a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's the one thing uh, I think a lot of apologists do bad. It's just they just want to argue with people. And, and it's just like you're forgetting that there's a person behind these questions. Yeah. Well, and this is probably a loaded question, but I have yeah. it written in my notes because I... Yeah. Speaking about that, yeah. <laughs> um, something that I've observed from my personal perspective of hosting this show and inviting lots of different people on here yeah. as guests and also as co-hosts, it almost seems like there is sometimes a tension between two camps of Christianity. Mm-hmm. On one side, you have a major emphasis on the knowing, um, mm-hmm. the arguments, the apologetics, and the absolutes. And on the other side, there seems to be more of the feeling, the experience of faith, the focus on loving others and embracing the mystery of what we can't know for sure. And ideally, I would think in a perfect world, the two sides would meet, right? Because if we go too far to one side, it can become dogma and rules that create a ladder to climb, kind of like what you're Mm -hmm. saying about the LDS faith. And on the other side, you've got a watered down version of faith that looks like kumbaya and cheap grace that doesn't require sacrifice. And that is not the gospel. But sometimes I find the tension in the middle is very hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be honest, I think we all in our own flesh definitely lean to one side or the other on different issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like you see that tension in your work or do you sometimes struggle with that? And how do you bridge that gap when talking with young people about Jesus? Because this is why it's a loaded question. My experience with young, young people is that they reject the idea of dogma. And I've had people mm-hmm. on here who talk yeah. about that and rules. But yet, if we don't talk about sin and its consequences and what the Bible yeah. actually says, we're not talking about the gospel. So yeah. how do you work through that tension? Yeah. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, there's people who are just more into the knowledge and there's some people in the feelings. And so in um, our group here, we try to emphasize those need to meet together. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's human relationships that are involved in these conversations. So it's like, yeah, you have this knowledge, but it's, it's done in the context of human relationships. You know, apologetics isn't meant to, well, for some people it is an academic exercise, but like, what's the point if you're not uh, reaching people with it and it's not changing people's lives, but just making people smarter or more intellectual and not realizing their need for God. So, you know, a lot of people do just give the, the answers, but then they're like, well, where does Jesus come into this and our need for him? Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, John Lennox said something that's like, God isn't a proposition. He's a person. So we need to introduce people to this person who's died for, for your, your sins and for you so that you can have uh, the free gift of salvation. And so, yeah, um, it's really interesting because you do meet the students who, just want to stump you with the knowledge that they have that they've learned in their science classes and just very materialistic. And it's like, well, that doesn't make sense because the spiritual world doesn't, it's not real. You know, we're just material. And then you have the other kids who are just like, well, I just feel this way. And this is my answer because I felt this. It is frustrating because um, it's not either or it's both. Like, um, you know, Jesus is an, an academic exercise. He's, he's a person um, he, God has given us intellect and emotions. And so I think trying to intertwine those two in a conversation, it's like, yeah, it's hard, but just always making these questions personal to the person that you're talking to, 
it's it's the only thing that uh, really matters is yeah this is a question why is this person asking this question it's obviously there's feelings behind this question so I think that's how those things come together it's like yes uh, I have these feelings but they come out as this knowledge that I have so mm-hmm. it's just like okay so you you have this question you don't think that God exists but it's probably because in my context now, it's like they don't think God exists because a lot of bad things happen in their life. So that's where the emotional part comes with this intellectual question. Mm-hmm. And so that's I, that's how we bring the two together is like kind of like really getting behind why that person's asking that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for a college student listening right now, who's like, oh, how do I find out more about this uh I'm going to mispronounce it now. Ratio Christi. There you go. You got it. Um, And whether there is one on my campus or can I look into it, how can I find out more about Ratio Christi? You could just go to our website, um, ratiochristi.org. And um, you could probably just like go. I think our search engine's a little off on there. So you could always just send an email to info and say, hey, do you guys have a chapter at the school? And somebody will email them back. But you could also just search on um, social media if there's one at your school. But I think the best place to start off is going to the website. Okay. And yeah. if a Christian student is listening right now, can they start mm-hmm. something like that at their school? If there isn't one already, is there a way to, to yeah, do that? Yeah, you could always, always inquire. Um, so each uh, chapter has a chapter director. So it's really important to have a chapter director helping there too. So, I mean... Uh, a lot of students inquire and then we'll try to find a chapter director for that school. So, wow. Okay. That's amazing. So a couple of final questions here. What do you think are some of the biggest barriers in reaching young people for Jesus in today's culture? And I know you have experience both on Mm -hmm. the secular campus and also Mm -hmm. on more of a, you know, the LDS campus. So I'd love to hear both. What are some of the biggest barriers that you've encountered in sharing Christ? A lot of it is like, does truth even exist? You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of people is like, well, truth doesn't exist and you could just pick whatever you want. So that's a big barrier because uh, we're making some big claims about Jesus being God. So if people don't believe in truth, then it's just like, what does this even matter? So mm-hmm. just for like, telling them that truth does exist in this relativistic postmodern world is, is where it starts. And then you could get to Jesus, (laughs) lots of conversations. And then um, when you have more of like the religious, um, religious part of it, it, a lot of it's like, okay, I'm religious, and I, I could do this on my own, I don't really need Jesus. So creating the need for Jesus in that context is really hard because they think, you know, basically Jesus just covers rest for me. I'm good. I just need to do it myself. And Jesus adds on if I haven't quite made it my, on my own. But the, for the the religious people that are struggling, a lot of them is like, how do I even know God is good? Just because all these bad things that has happened to me in these hyper legalistic, you know, contexts. So yeah, it's just like so many people have just been burnt by the church um, here and they end up becoming atheist agnostic. And our hope is like they don't throw out God because they've had a bad experience in church. And then they come to know what biblical Christianity is and what Jesus has done for them. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's the hope that we want to give to the people that are struggling in religion. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you also have that relevance issue? Like, oh, I'll deal with this later some other time. Uh, but right yeah. now, I don't really care because my life is pretty good. And I'm enjoying partying yeah. and doing what I want. Is yeah, that yeah. sometimes a barrier as well? Or it is? Yeah, some people just don't care. Um, pe- there's a lot of apathy, just like, yeah, this doesn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when people come Uh, when they have crises in their life, I think that's when these things really start hitting them a little harder. So sometimes we have to let people go through hard things to come to faith. Uh, I mean, that's what I went through. That's what my dad went through. And it sucks that we have to go through uh, that to, for, for us to come to faith. But I think uh, God works out evil for good too. So. Mm -hmm. So just to push back a little bit, if I was a student who came up to you at, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of your events, not in Utah, probably in California, yeah. and I came up to you and I said, yeah. I don't even think truth exists, you know, yeah. all truth is relative. Yeah. Yeah, how would yeah. you respond to me? I was like, how do you know that's true? <laughs> I mean, it's Frank Turex. <laughs> yeah, it's self-refuting because you're making a claim that you're just like, well, truth doesn't exist, but what is what you're saying a true statement? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and then people are just like, what? <laughs> it's just like they just don't realize the consequence of saying that. It's just yeah. like, well, in order for you to say that, then truth has to be real. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, that's good. That's good. Simple, but effective. Yeah. Um, Jane, I have one final question. It's the yeah. same question I ask all of our guests at the end. Um, the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards something real. Real is yeah. an acronym for restoration, mm-hmm. eternity, mm-hmm. authenticity, and love. Mm-hmm. Of those four gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ, and of course there's more, but we're just going to focus on those four, restoration, mm-hmm. eternity, authenticity, and love. Which stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? I think love, just because of the context that I'm in. Um, a lot of people think they have to earn God's love. They have to earn their salvation. They have to earn their um, their exaltation. But it's like God loves us because he loves us. And I think that's really just hard for a lot of people who are part of a works-based works religion. And that's something when we have a missions trip missions trips here that's what we emphasize to all the christians that come here too because sometimes we can fall under um religion ourselves and just think oh i need to do this for god i need to do this for god and just realizing that god loves us because he just loves us mm-hmm. yeah i love that well jane thank you so much for being here today and uh just really appreciate you and what you're doing and Uh, what you just shared and until next time thank you for listening to the finding something real podcast friend this season we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the christian faith we hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, 
authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.